All right, welcome to the show, Ellie Franks. How are you? Good, thanks, Tim. Yeah, going really well. Excellent. So why don't you just brag about yourself for an instant and just tell us um, who you are and what, you, what you're up to? <laughs> it's a bit of a hard question to start <laughs> with. <laughs> it's always hard to talk about yourself. Um, who I am? Um, well, I have been doing triathlons for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, mainly long course stuff. Um, who I am? I'm a bit of a coach, a bit of an athlete, a um, bit of a work a little bit in the corporate world. Um, yeah, sort of a lot of different aspects to my life, I think, and it's hard to sort of put it all into one sentence. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, so what got you into triathlon? Um, growing up, I did basically every sport possible. Um I was, yeah, played a lot, of, a lot of different sports. I grew up on the beach, so there was a lot of surf life saving. Um, I swam at a, a pretty high level from when I was about eight till when I was sort of 18. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break and I was with some friends going to Noosa and they said, oh, we're doing a triathlon. So I basically borrowed a friend's mountain bike and um, absolutely smashed the swim. I think I was leading out of the swim and then um, on, on the mountain bike it took me quite a while to get around the course. And <laughs> I ran okay, so I really enjoyed it. I couldn't sit down for about two weeks because I was so sore from sitting on a mountain bike for about two hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I loved it as well. So that's sort of that's where I started. Um, then I moved to Melbourne uh, when I was 21, and then that's when I got a little bit more seriously into triathlons. Right. So, so what what were the other sports you did as a child? You did swimming and. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of swimming. I mean, as a swimmer growing, as a swimmer, as a as a child, um, swimming is is full on. It's sort of eleven times a week, t- like twice a day, and we had to travel an hour an hour plus each way. Um, my pop, yeah, my country towns. Um, my pop used to drive me over to Ballina to do my training. Um, I was from Yamba, so it's about an hour fifteen. So morning and night. That's kind of what I did, and then around that. Um, Surf life saving and at school it was everything I could possibly do from indoor cricket to um, netball. Uh, I played rugby union at a fairly decent level, um, which surprises a lot of people because back then I was probably about 10 kilos lighter than as I am as a triathlete. So I was sort of protected in the back line as fullback, um, played for sort of the Gold Coast Breakers women's team. but, yeah, I just got involved in, in everything, really. I loved every sport. I was a little bit of a tomboy um, and an only child with, you know, some boy cousins. And, um, yeah, it was um, basically everything I could do when I was younger sport-wise I got involved in. So uh, I've, I'm always been fascinated with the, the kids that do squads and, and swim such competitive levels that they do the 10, 11 sessions a week in the water and then plus dry land sessions. Do you reckon that um, had a big impact on your work ethics as a triathlete and in, in um, business as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it can kind of go one of two ways. And I see a lot of people I swam with when I was younger, um, you know, they get to a point 16 to 18 or somewhere it might be and um, that's all they've known. And, yeah, I mean, it can either go in a negative sense from then they discover partying and, and real life, I guess, and, <laughs> um, and sort of potentially go down a little bit of a bad path when the regimented lifestyle ends. Um, but then there's a lot of positives that come from it as well. I think for me, um, definitely the dedication and the hard work um, 
And yeah, just all those all those little habits that such a regimented lifestyle instills. Um, I mean, it's swimming 80k a week growing up. Um, I was I was a butterfly backstroker, and I was probably one of the worst freestylers in our whole squad. Um, now, as a triathlete, you sort of towards the front of the lane, and I'm one of the best. But yeah. swimming is really competitive, and um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learnt from it, from a sense of you know resilience and um, a, a lot of habits that you pick up as as a as a child that lead through into university. Um, and then into into business as well. And there's a lot of parallels, and I've sort of spoken about this in the past in um, in my corporate health role. Um, a lot of parallels between elite athletes and successful business people. Yes. Um, and and it's um, yeah, I think it's really important to draw those parallels and um, just to oh, I think focus on things like the resilience. Um, you know, winning by potentially small margins and reinvigorating the plan and um, innovating and all those sorts of things that we can all probably improve on. Yeah. So when did you, when, how old were you when you turned pro? Um, it was 2008. Um, so I would have been, I think I was 26. Um, well, maybe I was younger than that, actually. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I would have been, no, I would probably, yeah, probably 20, 24, 25. Um I went and raced Hawaii. It was sort of fairly new into my triathlon career. Yeah. I just always wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, I grew up in a little surf town, surfing a lot. Grew up with my dad and he took me surfing all the time. That was a big part of life as well. I had family in Hawaii and I just always wanted to get over there. So when I moved to Melbourne, I, I did a couple of triathlons locally here and then found out that there was a race in Hawaii and that was the Honu Half Ironman. So... Yeah. So my coach uh, at the time, Andy Sleeman, and a few friends were going over to do this triathlon in Hawaii. So I um, definitely locked that one in. And when I got there doing a half Ironman, I was majorly underdone because I'd never really ridden or ran any of those, anything like a half Ironman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I sort of toughed it out and really enjoyed it and... uh, well, enjoyed it until about the last 5K when I was um, useless and practically walking, but managed to win my age group and, and get a spot to race Kona only three months later. So Nice. Yeah, sort of forwarding on um, a year from there, I decided to turn pro after some you know some good results and, um, yeah, haven't really looked back since then. Was it a hard decision turning pro? Oh, t- to be honest, not really. Um I sort of didn't see at the time I was sort of improving at such a fast rate and I think a lot of people do that. They get into the sport and you have these massive gains in improvement in that first sort of year or two Um, and it just made sense for me to do that because, um, uh, you know, I'd had won my age group in both races by, by a fair margin and I felt like, you know, I'd rather potentially be pushed and come 8th or 10th or 12th in a pro race rather than win my age group by half an hour. But in saying that, um, age group, I think now, that was sort of you know, around the 2006, 2008, I think age groups now are potentially a lot more competitive. Yeah. Um, so many so many more women coming through. So, um, yeah, I don't want to sound too confident there in saying I've won my age group by a lot because, to yeah. be honest... There's age group women have beaten me over the last few years and that's while I've been racing pro. So, um, but, yeah, at the time, an easy decision. 
Yeah, nice. So you are you self-coached or are you got a coach still? Um, well, I've had some coaches over the years, um, but at the moment self-coached. I've just had a year off racing and training basically, um, getting back into training now and sort of trying to get some fitness and, and training again. So I think a coach is really important um, and, you know, the coaches I've had, definitely Andy Sleeman with Tribal in Melbourne since I, since I started really, he's been a sort of a great mentor and um, got some good advice from him over the years. But in recent times, um, two American coaches I've had over the last few years, um, Rock Frey and um, Pete Colson, both based in America, yeah. um, who've both, yeah, helped out a lot. But I, I have a fair bit of input into my schedule and my training and, and right now I'm just sort of doing my own thing for a little while until I at least get back into a um, highly competitive kind of level. So you're you're got you do your own coaching as well. Like you you are a coach. Have you got your own coaching business, or you just run it through your website? Um, over the years, it's it's mainly just been coaching of friends. Um, I think I don't want to do anything unless I can do it properly, and I just haven't had the time with my own sort of schedule. Um, and the corporate sort of corporate health stuff as well. And um, I just haven't had the time to fully commit to coaching 100%. So I've coached, you know, maybe three or four people at a time. It's definitely something um, I've developed a lot more passion for. I think, um, you know, over the years, triathlon is such a selfish sport. And when you're fully in it 100% and you're racing 100%, I found it really hard to sort of in my spare time sit there and, and get really passionate about someone else's triathlons and um, (laughs) in your downtime, you know, be writing programs and I'm not sure, you know, maybe I'm getting older or maybe it's because of the little break I've had, but um, looking at what's important in life and I think what gives me um, that satisfaction. Um, I love racing. I really love racing, but I've also had an improved sort of an increased um, passion for the coaching side of things as well. And I think as you get older, you sort of have a lot more, um, a lot more to offer as yeah. a coach. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think it's definitely something in the near future that I'm looking at probably building on a little bit more. Not that I'll um, – I don't think I'd be a full-time triathlon coach by any means, but I really enjoy helping people on the side of um, sort of my own goals and ambitions as well. So how do you manage um, to, the juggling act between between your corporate job and being a professional triathlete and trying to be at the pointy end? Um, look, it's something I've always, I've always really placed a lot of importance on education um, and on other aspects of life other than triathlons. And, you know, that's probably been to my detriment a little bit at times in that I haven't got that balance right. But now, you know, I've been racing, racing for nearly 10 years. So um, initially it was a real struggle. Um, you know, I was sort of working full-time and, and trying to train, and when I, especially when I turned pro and I realised that a lot of the girls I was racing against weren't working at all. And definitely the best of the best, they don't work. But yeah. there's also that next band down of pros who, I mean, you're not going to make a comfortable living from triathlons and you factor in an injury here or there or, um, you know, a few bad results or some sickness and all of a sudden you've got no income for three months. So I think it's really important to always, you know, have something else to fall back on. Um, yes. And I've found, you know, over the last sort of five years or so, I've done half my year here in Melbourne, um, racing in Australia, but also really focusing on, um, you know, the corporate world and developing mentally and developing my professional skills. 
Um, and then I've gone overseas for, you know, anywhere from four to six months of the year and done a, a good training racing block from over there. And I think with technology now in some industries, you can sort of work from anywhere. So um, yes, um, yeah. it's definitely something that takes time to work out what works for the individual. But for me, I've found I race better when I've got a bit of structure in my life. Um, yes. Not necessarily working, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, but um, definitely just having something else in life to mentally stimulate and have a little bit of a break from the triathlon world um, and to fall back on as well. So, yeah, I think, I think balance is important. Um, yeah. yeah. So during the race season for you, what is what would an average training week look like? Um, oh, well, like I said, it varies if I'm here or if I'm overseas. Um, but based in when I'm in Australia, um, I would be probably working most days. Um, a training week would be. I, re- I really enjoy the midweek big session. So. Probably um, it's normally early mornings and, and afternoon sessions, but I'm not much of a morning person, so I prefer to do my training um, sort of at four or five in the afternoon and get some good quality in, you know, one really good quality session in a day rather than um, potentially two sort of sessions where you're a little bit flat for both and lacking sleep. Yes. Um, so I'm a big one for sleep. So, I mean, I'd love to say I train four, four mornings a week, but it's probably, you know, three to four um, and then four or five nights a week as well with the weekend sessions. So, um, f- I mean, I like to incorporate, incorporate some strength into my week as well. I think that's a pretty important sort of aspect, the core strength and a little bit of stability. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I'm, I would probably prefer in my training some bigger sessions daily, like I said, rather than two smaller ones. Yeah. So what would be um, like a key session for you, like a couple of your key sessions? Okay. Um, I really I really like for half Ironman training, so just trying to get that speed for the half Ironman um, would be like a two-hour wind trainer session. Yes. Um, with some long, really long strength efforts, so down in the time trial position, um, sort of practising a bit of a race simulation, so sitting nice and forward on the seat, um, practising – Drinking while you're still pushing out, you know, some good, some good watts. Um, monitoring with with heart rate and really trying to hold a heart rate that you would expect to hold in a race. Um, and then getting off and running. And this is probably something I didn't do enough of. I think um, over the last couple of years, you sort of you get a little bit um, you get a little bit distracted and things like that. But if you just Set aside, you know, maybe three hours once a week to do a really good solid high-intensity brick session. I think it really, really helps with the with the bike riding as well as the running. Yeah. Well, what um, what, so what about nutrition? What do you do um the the night before a big race and and during a race? What do you have? Um, I think it's important just to the night before a race. I try not to overeat, but at the same time. I'm pretty relaxed around what I do eat. I don't get too um, pedantic. I wouldn't have a big steak or anything, normally something fairly plain, um, you know, some pasta, some rice, some veggies. Um, but I am also try and have a decent meal. If it's a long-distance race, I'll try and have a decent meal around lunchtime or mid-afternoon the day before. Mm. Um, you know, if I feel like some lollies or chocolate, I'll have it. Um, definitely race day nutrition is um, one area that, I think one of the reasons why um, 
something that makes me quite lucky as an athlete is I can eat anything on race day and I can nice. consume quite a lot of calories uh, without having many stomach problems. So, I mean, I've been with – basically since I started, I've been with Power Bar Nutrition, who are now also Masashi as well. So um, I've been lucky to have a great selection of gels and bars and, and just trial and error. Um, you know, for, at one point I tried lots and lots of bars on the bike, like, you know, maybe two or three, and that worked well for a while. And then I decided to sort of reinvent and mix it up and, and go to more so um, liquids, so having more calories in the drink bottle. Um, yeah. But, you know, one coach once told me, just simplify it. For you, it's around 200, maybe 220 calories an hour. However you want to get that in, in an Ironman or a half Ironman, is totally up to you. So, you know, keep it simple. Don't worry too much about the, you know, the carbohydrates. And there's probably some sports nutritionists out there um, who wouldn't like me saying this. But, yeah, yeah whatever it takes for you to get that sort of 200 to 220 calories an hour, um, you know, that'll be, the be that'll be the best option. And that seems to have really worked for me. Um, obviously, having enough liquids when you have a gel or a bar so that it can really process in your stomach. Yes. And I think an important thing as well, you know, a lot of people tend to get sick in races like Hawaii. Um, so saltwater swim, you know, potentially a little bit of chop, swallowing some water. So um, if you do swallow some salt water, make sure you dilute it down with some fresh water on the bike. Um, and another thing, I think if you, if you get it wrong and you get sick in a race or you get nauseous and everything comes up, just just start again. Don't get too stressed out about it. Um, that's one of the, the most important things of Ironman and long-distance racing is the nutrition. So get what you can in and work out what works for you. Don't try something new on the day. But definitely if it all goes wrong and you get sick, it's okay. Just take a few breaths and then start start loading again because, you know, your day is not over. Yeah. So what are – because you've been doing triathlons for a little while now. So what are some of the goals that you've got left to that you would like to achieve? Um, oh, I'd, I would love to – I mean, obviously getting sick 12 months ago, um, I'd, I'd, I, had a, I had a really good season over probably the year before that and then I just had – six months or so where I was I was getting sick a lot, um, probably got the balance wrong as far as work and training. Um, and, and it's hard to come back from that. I, I ended up getting chronic fatigue and had a, sort of had a great race at Sunshine Coast 7.3 and then I couldn't get out, get out of bed. So um, that really put me out for basically eight months. Um, and it, it allowed me to really, you know, I had – sort of issues with really low hormone levels for mainly for testosterone like it was zero so it was just going to take a long time for my body to rebuild um and having that kind of adrenal burnout i think made me sort of sit there and think right what do i really want to do with triathlons um and also i think whenever anyone gets an injury it makes you realize what you love about the sport and yeah. um allows you to sit there and think what what, why am I doing this sport um, and think about what you really enjoy about it and um, what triathlon, you know, what value it adds to your life. And for me, I just love it. I love the sport. I love racing. Um, and I would love to get, now that I'm feeling better and just sort of starting to get healthy again, I'd, I'd love to get back into racing. Um, ideally, I've had the opportunity to go to Kona as a pro a few years ago, but um, an injury sort of stopped me from getting there. So that would be a goal for me 
um, definitely to get to Kona as a pro, and it's getting yeah. it's getting harder and harder every year. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, as far as triathlons go, even though I've been racing for quite a while, I probably haven't got anywhere near my full potential, I don't think. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I'm getting to an age where it's important to start thinking about other things. But, um, you know, I've just turned 32, so, you know, in other sports that would be fairly old and I'd be pretty much done. But I think in triathlons, the thing that we're so lucky about is that we peak in our sort of mid-30s potentially. So yeah. um, I've got, you know, I've got time to definitely come back and race at a, at a fairly high level, I'm hoping. Um but, you know, if not, there's just so many other areas of triathlon like the coaching and helping others out that I'm really passionate about as well. So, But I do love racing, so I'm hoping I can get, get back there soon. <laughs> yeah. So everything you know now, if you could go back and, and speak to Ellie Franks when she was just starting off as a pro, what would you, what would you recommend to her? Oh, I would definitely say listen to your body, um, sleep in if you need to, and... Um, just be a little bit more selective around how much you take on in life. Um, I'd say strength training is really important. Really, really um, incorporate some core strength and stability training into um, the workload, just to just to help with more consistency, less injuries. Um, and yeah, I think I'd just say take every opportunity. You know, if you've got the opportunity to go overseas and race while you're young, just do it. Um, yeah. And as long as you're still progressing at some point on your fallback plan um, or your post-triathlon plan, like the career or education or study or whatever it might be, um, that will always be there. So definitely, um, you know, focus on focus on the now a little bit, a little probably a little bit more so than thinking about mortgage and those sorts of things and and what society you know thinks that you should be doing because life is a pro athlete. It's pretty good. It can be hard. Um, and yeah. it's hard having no money and sleeping in airports. And <laughs> but you know, looking back, travel is such an amazing thing and such a such a developing experience as well. So you know, the things I've learnt from racing, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change too much. <laughs> nice. How do you handle the business side of triathlon, it, like sponsorships and and everything like that? Yep. Um, oh, to, to be honest, I've, I've got a lot of, um, a lot of companies who've really supported me over the years. Um, I think it's, it's really important and it's not so much about your performance. Uh, and often sponsors won't remember if you came second or if you came fifth, they're not going to remember that. It's more so about your relationship with people. Um, yeah. and I think if you, if you're a good person and if you're really, um, thankful and appreciative um, and it's also really important to look at what you can do for them so it's not so much about oh there's a good product I want I should get that for nothing it's about okay this is a company I really love to be involved with um, what you know I can see what they can do for me as far as me um, you know potentially supplying me with money or with a product but it's really important to think about what you can, how you know, how you can build your relationship with them. So, what exposure can you give that company? And not just to be asking, because I think, you know, um, I think a lot of triathletes potentially, as soon as they get their pro license, they expect to be given a lot of things. But I don't think that's how it works. So, business, from it's really important to manage those relationships um, and to, to put time into it. Um, you know, it's like you're your own. 
as an athlete, you're the CEO of yourself. So it's, yeah. it's important to do, do the planning as well as, um, you know, like this year I didn't re-sign with Giant who, you know, I've had a great relationship with over, over the past few years because I didn't feel, you know, my, my sponsorship with them was probably more so around being a pro athlete and my um, performance and I just didn't feel that I could give them enough exposure and I wasn't sure when I'd be better and when I'd be racing. So, um, you know, and they've got a lot of athletes obviously promoting, you know, healthy lifestyle and the women's cycling and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I just think, it's, yeah, it's really important to look at what you're giving the brand um, and definitely set aside time for things like websites, social media um, and, yeah, d- d- just yeah, remain appreciative as well. Yeah. So who's um, so? Have you got any plans to race this season? Um, it'll be a bit of a fight against time. I've just sort of just been sick over the last couple of months. Um, I was starting to start, get some real fitness and build on the training and get some good consistency. And I know it won't take me long. I've always been really lucky. Um, I think I've got lucky genes where I can just sort of bounce back pretty quickly after some training. Um, you know, a few weeks of training, but. You know, I did sort of um, have some health issues over the last six weeks or so that have put me out um, for another probably another two weeks and then I'll, I'll be good to go. So I'm really hoping to do some races, um, probably, you know, potentially a challenge Melbourne, I'd like to say, if all goes to plan. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it'll, it'll be around that time somewhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so what, are, what other sponsors have you got um, that you'd like oh, to give a plug to? Oh, the main ones for me just would be some um, just some relationships that I've had for a long time that I'd probably like to mention. Um, yeah. Power Bar's been a really good one. They're sort of with me from the start um, and, you know, they really help athletes on their Team Elite program. Um, also, SFG Investments, a company, um, a startup company that um, I've done a lot of work for over the last couple of years. It's just more of a relationship than anything. I've been an ambassador for them. They're probably the only two I'd like to mention right yeah. now, but there's been a lot of companies over the years that have um, that have I've had a good relationship with. Yeah, excellent. So, how can people connect with you via Twitter or your website? Yep, the website. Um, website's just about to be updated, um, but yep, elliefranks.com. Um, hopefully, I'll get a little bit more active on that now that I'm back training and and getting fitter. Um, otherwise, yeah, I mean. If you're interested, I've, I've got a Twitter page. Um, I've also got Instagram, but there's not a lot of triathlon-related stuff on there. I try and keep that a little bit non-triathlon. Um, but, yeah, definitely Twitter, Facebook, um, yeah, or website. Yeah, I'll pop a link to all those on the show notes as well. Um, so when are you hoping to get your website to upgrade? I'm on it right as we're speaking, and it actually looks very professional. It's probably one of the better um, websites for, for triathletes I've seen. Um, oh, I'm working with a friend on that probably in this coming week. So um, I've got a lot going on at the moment. I'm studying, I'm working, I'm sort of <laughs> doing a million things and all. And it's, it's, I really have to have had to prioritise. But definitely the website will be up by first week in November. Right. Um, I also I like to finish off off the shows with um, asking if you got any funny stories or embarrassing stories either in racing or training or travel. <laughs> Just to put oh. you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, where do I start? <laughs> um, no, probably one that comes to mind. Um, 
two years ago, in 2012, I was racing in Italy for the season for six months um, and I was sort of in a little village where I had to learn some Italian. So it was an um, accelerated course just yeah. to get by in a day-to-day. -day. Yeah. Um, and I sort of won a, ra won a race up north at Lago de Garda and as after I'd crossed the line, it was a really tough race. And um, after I'd crossed the line, I got interviewed on, you know, a few Italian sort of radio stations and that sort of thing. And I thought I was ready to do my interview in Italian. And um, apparently I said Belinda Granger had actually won this race um, the year before. So they sort of were really loving, loving the Australian girls at this point. And they said, oh, yeah. you know, we'll be back next year. And in my really, really bad Italian, I said, oh, yes, I'll be, I'll, I'll be back next year and I'll, I'll bring my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> what I meant to say was um, I'll, bring, I'll bring my friends, you know, bring my other Australian friends. But, yeah, so I think for the rest of the three months um, they sort of had some probably incorrect views about me. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but <laughs> it came up a few times over the next few months. <laughs> but, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It was um, a lot of good advice and it was um, really good. So thanks very much. Great. Thanks a lot, Tim. Cheers. Thanks. Great. Bye. Thanks. Bye.